This week at Midweek in the City, we talk about all things discipleship and how that changes over the course of your life. Um, I want us to talk about discipleship in a few different ways. I want to know what y'all's experience with discipleship has been. Um, I want to talk about how the church is called to this, but often kind of fails in this endeavor. Um, And then I want to talk about how we might lean more into discipleship and how it might be a little more compelling for us, Um, what it really is and what's the value of of sticking with it. Um, And two weeks ago, if y'all were here, um, we were off last week for spring break, but two weeks ago, Scott Lane joined us to talk about um, he's been in ministry for 27 years now, um, and that's a long time. And so he talked through, how do we stick with this thing, this journey of faith for the long haul? Um, and he talked about a lot of things, but a huge chunk of that boils down to discipleship, right? Boils down to being in relationship with other people where you are walking towards Jesus. Um, so let's talk about that first question. Um, when you think of the word discipleship, what comes to mind? Good or bad, honestly, what comes to mind when you think of discipleship? A servant leader, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. What else? A mentor, yeah, yeah. What else? So you, so you pointed out that's kind of like the best way for discipleship to happen, right? But you, a lot of the things you said point to the things that can go wrong in discipleship when we don't do those things, right? It's vulnerable. There's a little bit of power at play there, right? There's a lot of things going on um, to where it is possible to have a bad discipleship experience, right? But, um, yeah, all of those things were really good. Um, what about that second question? What does discipleship look like for you? if at all, if you've experienced it. Okay. Thank you for saying that. You're proving my point. (laughs) I needed someone to say something like that. Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, We tend to um, think of discipleship in really, really broad terms, and we kind of use it as a catch-all term for a lot of things um, or as a Christianese word to mean whatever we want it to mean, right? And I don't know if we've talked about this, but Christianese is my pet peeve. And so um, sometimes I fall into it too, but it is just one of my pet peeves. So... Um, yeah, we can kind of use that word to not necessarily mean much. But, yeah, what else, what does discipleship look like for you? Um, I like the fact that it's like whether it's a 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the telephone game is a good example. Yeah. And we're not knocking discipleship, right? But yeah, sometimes it can go poorly when we're using something else as the source other than scripture. Yeah. What else has discipleship looked like for you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good because we don't always have to be in a, we don't have to be at a meeting for coffee in order for discipleship to take place, right? We can be watching someone. <laughs> Laura's like, I'd prefer if we did, but um, <laughs> we, yeah, we can. We're discipled by people whether or not they know it, right? Our parents discipled us whether or not it was they did a good job is one thing, right? And we'll get back to that in a second, but that's a good thought. What And so that's, <laughs> so that is the most structured, because we were dating when you were in the house, and I was the only ever, was the only girl that was ever over there, it was kind of funny, but um, they, that was the most structured discipleship I've ever seen, I'm pretty sure. And like Laura said, we don't see that very often, right? That is extremely unique, um, and it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that neo-monastic living of really intentional community, right? Yeah. So that's a good example of good discipleship. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? <laughs> In Wolfson. We're, we're already here. <laughs> yeah, everyone call your rooms now. Yeah. Any, any other um, thoughts on what discipleship has looked like for you? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and that's just kind of doing life together, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and that's... that's it takes humility on her part, right, to, um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit too, but we should be discipling each other at a peer level, right? We should always be having someone discipling us, and we should always be discipling, right? And so, um, yeah, there's some, there's some, we can do that with varying degrees of structure, but absolutely, that's, part of that is just choosing to kind of live life together, Um and so this is why I wanted us to talk about discipleship. Um, so it's, it's at the very core of the church, 
right? It's how the church was meant to operate in the world, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, Discipleship is the Christian life, okay? And when we use this word discipleship to mean whatever we want it to mean, then it kind of loses its value, right? But we're going to hopefully regain some of that tonight. Um, So we know discipleship is important because Jesus talked about it, right? Um, But a lot of times when we think of discipleship, it's just so ambiguous. Um, We don't really have a concrete way to understand it. Um, Or maybe we do have a concrete way of doing that, and maybe it was beneficial for a while, and then it kind of got old, or maybe that structure of discipleship didn't work very well for you, right? Um, Or that particular way of discipleship wasn't very healthy. Um, So we can have some baggage around this word, um, but... Let's kind of purify it a little bit. So let's look at scripture to find our footing. Um, So in Matthew 28, verse 18, this is a really um, well-known passage. This is the Great Commission, right? So Matthew 28, verse 18, this is where we need to start. So it says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he's talking about it right here when he says, you know, this is the Great Commission. It is to make disciples, right? It's the very way that God has chosen to spread his church. And really, when what he's saying in In verse 18, it says, out of the authority that I have from the Father, which I've also given to you, because he talks about that in John 17, right? The authority that I have from the Father, which I'm giving to you, in that authority, go into everyone you meet, bring them into the family of God, baptize them, give them my name, and teach them what I've taught you, right? Um, That is the Great Commission. Um, And that is the primary function of the church, is discipleship. Um, the church does, does a lot of other things too, but it all falls under that primary goal of discipleship. Um, and all of that is simply becoming more like Christ, period. Um, or true discipleship is just becoming more like Christ. Because the primary thing that God has planned for your life, he has lots of things. And he has beautiful plans, like it says in Jeremiah, right? He has all kinds of things planned for you. But the primary thing that God has for you is for you to become more like Jesus, That is his primary goal for your life. Um, But the church, and we've talked about good and bad examples, right? The church doesn't always achieve this very well. Um, And sometimes that's our fault as uh, members of a church, and sometimes that's the church's fault. Um, And normally it's both, right? And so um, this is partly in how we view the church. Um, When we think about the church, we don't always think about this is a place where I go to get discipled. We think about the church as like a conference center where we go um, find some community and hopefully some donuts and coffee and get entertained and maybe have like a hit of inspiration to get through the week, right? And then we come back on Wednesday for another hit, right? Um, That is one way that we can view the church um, if we're not careful, right? But if we're not engaging in discipleship, then we're completely missing the point of church. And I would say that if you feel like you've never engaged in discipleship, you probably have, we just weren't calling it that. Um, because I think for almost everyone in this room, I've, we've, there's, I've watched some sort of discipleship happen for you. Um, 
or at best, we're hoping that we'll be able to be a disciple by proxy, right? Where we say, well, I know Chris, Pastor Chris is following Jesus. Um, I know he's like working to draw closer to the Lord. So maybe if I just hear enough from him, I can ride on his coattails of discipleship, right? Have y'all ever, I mean, we don't normally say it like that, but that's kind of how we think about things sometimes. I can be a disciple by proxy. As long as I'm sorted near to Chris, then maybe I'm in discipleship, right? Unless you're in his discipleship class, and then you're very much. <laughs> not, not right now. <laughs> no, you're, hey, that's discipleship too. That's okay. Um, but the church hasn't always done a great job with this either, okay? I think Richard Foster, who is one of my favorite um, kind of old school authors, he pointed this out. But a lot of times the church is most concerned with the ABCs. And this is corny, but that's okay. The ABCs. So attendance, buildings, and cash. Um, and this is, y'all, I love the church. <laughs> but if we don't criticize it every once in a while, then it'll never get better. And so none of those things are bad, right? We should want our church to grow. That is something we should want. We should want proper facilities to do all the things we want to do. And we should have an eye on our finances so that we can practice stewardship. But if all the church is focused on is attendance, buildings, cash, all of those kind of things, um, then we're going to have a warped view of what a healthy church is. Um, Because when we think about our understanding of a healthy church, um, if we see a church with 75 people, that's all they have in attendance. The building is small. It's falling apart. Um, There's not enough money to put on a fancy VBS or or have dinner together or those kind of things. Would we might say, "Mm, that might not be a healthy church? Or would we be tempted to think that way? But then if we saw a church with 5,000 people and there's a beautiful building and it's new and there's all sorts of space to do things um, and income is flowing by people giving, we would think, oh, maybe that's a healthy church, right? That's kind of how we tend to judge church health is through those things. But notice, discipleship is nowhere in there, right? Even though that's the core of who the church is supposed to be. That is what Jesus took the time to say before he ascended to heaven. He talked about discipleship. He didn't talk about, okay, well, here's your threshold for attendance, and then you really need to find a church gym when you can afford it. And, you know, he didn't give us any of that. He talked about discipleship, right? And so that small 75-person church might be full of life and people becoming more like Christ every day, and that big church with all the resources might just be full of people checking the boxes and not engaging in any type of growth, but we would never know because that's not how we're discerning what a healthy church is, right? And that's not a rule of thumb. I'm not knocking any megachurch. Y'all know I I got saved in a megachurch. But um, when the church places those kind of things at the center, then they're always going to pursue what what feeds those things. They're always going to pursue the kinds of things that get them higher attendance or more money coming in, right, or more resources. And discipleship doesn't lend itself to any of those things, at least not directly, right? Um, Discipleship is not going to lead to faster church growth because discipleship is really uncomfortable most of the time, right? It's accountability, and it's being called out, and if you're if you're coming to church and you're feeling a little uncomfortable, then you're probably not going to grow very fast, right? Um, it's not going to grow your resources very fast. Um, so sometimes discipleship doesn't happen in the church because that's not what the church is focused on, right? Or we're in this individualistic culture, and we've talked a lot about that at midweek, um, where we don't prioritize this real 
kind of inner relationship discipleship that happens in the church. It's a lot easier to go put in your headphones and listen to, you know, whatever, a Matt Chandler sermon and feel like you received something. And those things are good, um, and you should do those things. Um, but that's not discipleship, right? That's, that's a vitamin. It is not the meal, right? Local church discipleship is the meal. Um, or, we've talked a little bit about this, we can do discipleship, but it's really just, instead of pushing others to become more like Christ, it's teaching them to, how to assimilate into a church's culture, right? Um, this is how you can become a real member of this church and look at, like us and talk like us and use the same Christianese that we do, right? Um, or if I'm the one discipling, this is how you can become like me because I know all of you just really want to be like me, right? And we can... Instead of discipling people towards Jesus, we're discipling people to become like ourselves. Um, And that's an easy trap to get caught in. But it's still worthwhile because it is the very core of the church, right? It is what Jesus chose to speak about right before he ascended to heaven. So we're going to keep going here. Um, But first, I'm going to pull a fast one on you. We're going to talk around tables again, around two different questions, okay? Um, So... How have you grown spiritually over the last year or the last few years and the last chunk of your life? How have you grown spiritually? And it's, this is not bragging. This is you testifying to what the Lord has done in your life. Um, and then what goals do you have for your spiritual life right now? It's okay if the answer is uh, none. You know, it's, whatever the answer is, it's okay. But we're going to talk about those two things in a second. So uh, circle back up around tables and... and Answer those two questions, then we'll come back.
Okay. I hate cutting you all off because I know you're having good conversations. But um, let's circle back really quick um, as we kind of get into this next, this next part. Um, so I know these are a little more personal, these questions. But if anyone's willing to share, um, have you noticed yourself growing spiritually over the last year, a few years? What are you proud of in a way that you've grown spiritually, if you're willing to share? That's awesome. And that's what discipleship is, right? It's instead of just talking about your faith, it's actually acting on it, right? Yeah. Um, how else have you grown spiritually that you've noticed, if you're willing to share? And you just love it, I know. <laughs> We're office buddies. No. Yeah, that's really good because we can be giving constantly, and those were good things that you're doing, right? But if we're giving constantly and we're never taking time to get filled back up, that's really draining, right? That's awesome to prioritize that for yourself. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we talked a lot about burnout recently. Um, probably not coincidentally, right? Um, yeah. Anybody else? Have you grown spiritually? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's really good. We're going to circle back to that later. That's good. Was getting the dog a peak spiritual moment, <laughs> maybe a spiritual testing of faith. Yeah. That's good. And that's, the Lord did everything he needed to do in that crazy season when we were, that would, that's a good way to describe it, right? Hanging on for dear life. The Lord was just as much in that season, even if it didn't feel like steady, nice progress of discipleship, right? Because um, life doesn't always feel that way. It's settled a little bit now for us where we can feel like, oh, I can compare these two years because they were roughly similar in every other way. And now we can see, you know, spiritual growth, right? But um, that doesn't mean those years of kind of being all over the place were wasted, right? They were really good. But the Lord had specific things for you in that season. And now he has these new things. And so if you felt like, did I waste a season? And that's not what you're saying. But if you're hearing that um, and you feel like, during this season, I felt like I didn't, grow at all spiritually, because everything was so chaotic. Well, you probably did. Um, it might not just be as marked for you, right? Um, the Lord was very much there. Yeah. Any other ways of spiritual growth? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Yeah, it's not always obvious until later, right, what the Lord was doing. Yeah. Um, If you're willing to share, what goals do you have for your spiritual life right now? It's easy to think of, like, these are my career goals, right? In the next 10 years, I'd like to be promoted or, you know, do this thing or that thing. We don't always think of this in terms of our spiritual life, Um, setting spiritual goals for ourselves. Um, If you have any um, and you're willing to share. What spiritual goals do you have? Go ahead. (laughs) Three, two, one, go. (laughs) Go for it. Whoever it was besides Laura. (laughs) Who was it? Silas? Oh, my gosh. Just go. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Whoever wants to share. Um, any spiritual goals that you have? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> please. Please. <laughs>
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, we neither of us are good at. Maybe I'll do it. <laughs> right? um, we don't get much done that way. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, sometimes you have to really throw everything you got at it, right? Um, and we can get back to that in a second. But here's why I asked you that because I know it's kind of weird to say, well, or maybe formal or sterile sounding to say, well, these are my goals spiritually, as if you're writing them on a on a resume or a job review or something like that, right? Um, here's why I asked you those things, because discipleship is inevitable. I sound like um, Thanos. I am inevitable, right? D- yeah. Whew. We're all with the dust. <laughs> um, discipleship is absolutely inevitable in your life. You're going to be discipled by something whether it's the world or Jesus or whatever that is, that is up to you. But you will be discipled by something. Um, and being a disciple of Jesus is an act of choice. Right? And no one drifts towards obedience or holiness or Christ-likeness. Right? No one just kind of naturally drifts that way. If you say, well, I suppose if I'm just like around church enough, I'll become like Christ. Well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, But it takes intentional action on our part to choose to leave everything else behind and follow Christ, right? We're not just going to naturally drift there on our own Um, because the current of the world that we're in is always going to be pulling us away from that. Um, That is just the reality of things, right? And so, and I think more than anything else, because we're in this current and because the natural drift, the natural pull of the current is to pull us away from the Lord Um, apathy is one of the greatest threats to our spiritual health, right? And I think that scripture talks about this. So let's look at Matthew 13, starting in verse 3. If you want to turn there, we'll be there for a second. So in Matthew 13, verse 3, it says, He was teaching in parables. Um, He says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He he who has ears, let him hear. And then down in verse 18, the disciples say, wait, what? And so he's like, okay, fine, I'll explain it to you. He doesn't always explain his parables, but he does this one, okay? So down in verse 18, he explains it more. And he says, hear then the parable of the sower. Anyone hears 
When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed has been sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but it's only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises from because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed has sown among thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the this, this deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed has sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Okay, so when we don't engage in discipleship, um, we can be like the seed sown on the rocky soil, where we receive the word with joy, right? And and if you if you remember that moment when you received Jesus and you received him with joy, um. It's possible then that when we're not in this process of discipleship, that we don't grow those roots, right? There is no firm root in us. And as soon as trouble comes, we fall away, right? But what's even more common um, in my own life and in my own experience um, is the next one, the seed that's sown among thorns, right? Where we hear the word and we embrace it and we're excited about it, um, but eventually the worry of the world And I love this language, the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. That was very intentional language, right? Those things come and choke the word out, and we become unfruitful, right? Um, And that that language of choked out is interesting, too. Have any of y'all ever been choked out, like in a fight? I haven't. What? Oh, no, I haven't. I was saying raise your hand if you have. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, two weeks ago when I was in that <laughs> bar fight. I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. Any of y'all ever been choked out? Hopefully not for you. Okay. Yes, before. Okay. Being choked out is very different from being knocked out, right? If you get knocked out by a punch, it is pretty immediate what the results are. Right. Being choked out takes a little bit longer. Right? No, I'm <laughs> if you've seen wrestling, UFC, whatever fighting you like to watch, okay? WWE, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> That's all fake. Okay. Just go with me. Okay, so being knocked out and being choked out are two very different experiences, right? Um, and I love that they specifically used the language of being choked out when it comes to the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of, deceitfulness of riches and all of those things, right? They, he specifically said choked out. Because um, when it talks about those things, there's this slow kind of insidious process that leaves us spiritually unconscious when we allow ourselves to be consumed by the worries of the world, right? Or deceived by riches and those kind of things. Um, There's kind of this slow process that leaves us spiritually unconscious. And often it's before we even realize it's happening, right? Um, And it's the slow kind of apathy that pulls us away 
Um, and so because of that, we don't want to be passive about our spiritual growth. Okay, and that's why I asked you those questions. Um, because I want so badly, um, and I think this is the case often, but I want so badly for this group um, to not be passive about their spiritual growth, to, to run towards it with action. Um, we need to be leaned in and to be active. And I know we were all talking about feeling really tired earlier, so I guess it's ironic that we're talking about being leaned in and engaged. But um, that is what we need to do to combat that current, that drift, right? Because um, the word says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened, right? We're not talking about works righteousness here, but we are saying there's, there's intention and there's action that's required of us when we're pursuing this Christian life, right? And when we do that, um, when we pursue these things with action, we grow those deep roots so that we're not like the sprout that we were joyful about the word and then we didn't grow roots, right? Um, When we do that, we're like Jeremiah 17 in verse 7. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord, for he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. So if we're just making this kind of haphazard growth where we show up to church when we can and we get whatever we're given, and if we have that kind of get what you get and don't throw a fit attitude about our spirituality, we're not going to get very far. Right? That doesn't mean you don't show up to church, and it might be that Pastor Chris has something on his heart that you weren't expecting, and that's a good thing, and it's probably something that we should hear. But if all we're doing is passively receiving, then we're not engaged in discipleship. Right? Um, and discipleship can lose its flavor or its excitement when we're just passive about it. When we say, well, you seem cool, I don't know, teach me. Right? That's kind of how we approach disciple. Well, that's how I approach discipleship, right? I kind of want to be like you, so I guess if you just kind of show me what you do, then maybe I'll turn out okay. So we can be engaged in this thing of discipleship, why the way that Scott Lane is, where we're in this thing for the long haul in every season of life, without it growing stale when we stay leaned in like that. Um, and we need to be working through these kinds of spiritual goals, right? And it's, it's a weird practice to think about, but like Tiffany said, she said, I want to be you know, a really great mom to my son, and I want to really get serious about studying the word. That is awesome. That is not passive. You're saying, okay, these are two things that I know I can focus on, and I know that I can set smaller goals along the way, right? That's not just going to happen to you if you just say, well, I really want that, right? You're going to do something to get there, um, and Chris is really, really great at this. Um, and he doesn't say this much from the pulpit, but anytime we're in staff meeting and he's just talking about what's on his heart or something like that, um, he always has a goal that he's working towards spiritually. Um, he always has some sort of focus with the Lord. And it changes, and, and sometimes we hear about it, sometimes we don't. Um, but in this last season, he was praying every day, Lord, I want to understand your affection And I want to be able to show affection better to those around me. That's a really specific thing to focus on with the Lord, right? That's a goal that he set. And over a year, he's seen all these ways that the Lord has shown him affection 
and how he can be more affectionate, right? Um, but he's never without a goal spiritually, right? Because when we, when we just kind of go without goals and we're just kind of matching whatever the discipleship level the church has to offer, right? Eventually, we're going to look around and say, well, I guess that's it for me. I guess I've reached the top. It's not a very high mountain, right? And that's not what the Lord has for you. There's so much more, right? But it's, it's taking you being leaned into those things. Um, and so practically speaking, I know, Laura, we talked a lot about what does it actually look like to be in a discipleship relationship, right? Um, I think it can look a lot of ways, and there's a, it's probably a good thing that there's not some, you know, blueprint to this all the time. But I think it's important to be on in one-on-one discipleship um, and group discipleship, right? So, like, Chris has a Wednesday night class at 6 o'clock that does this. They meet in small groups. They do a Bible study together. They do accountability. They memorize scripture, and they're sent back out into the world, and then they meet again next week and talk about how it went, right? That's really good, consistent kind of small group discipleship. Um, but I know there's been seasons of our life where we had very specific mentors that we met with regularly, um, where we talked through those things with them. And like Karen said, you know, just walking through life with somebody. Um, and it'll look different in different seasons, and that's okay. Um, but I think the first step is bringing this question to the Lord. Um, what do you want to teach me in this season? If we're not constantly asking that of the Lord, then we can't be surprised when we feel spiritually stale, right? Lord, what do you want to teach me in this season? Where do I need to grow? Search my heart and know my thoughts, right? That's Psalm 23. Um, search my heart and know my thoughts, right? If we're constantly asking that, the Lord is always going to be faithful to answer it. Um, and then with, with the Lord and with someone you trust, set some goals, right? Um, if you want accountability for that, awesome. I'd love to do that for you. If Set some goals between you and the Lord and folks that you trust um, and seek out a way to grow in that area. Maybe it's a discipleship group like what Chris does. Maybe there's a minister or a lay leader that you found to be wise in some sort of area and you say, hey, I'd love for you to show me the ropes of this thing. If you have financial goals where you want to be better at stewardship, John Prinzing was here a few weeks ago, right? There's all kinds of ways that we can grow. Um, and there's all kinds of people that would love to do that for you. Um, so I know it's getting close to time to wrap up. So that's my question for you to meditate on this week. Um, what goals do you need to set spiritually? Where is the Lord leading you to grow? Um, how can you be more leaned into what God is wanting to do in your life? If you've been passive and just received whatever happened to rise to the surface on a Sunday morning. I, I'd much rather you do that than nothing. That's, it's, it is a good thing that you show up. Um, but how can you be a little more engaged and lean into what the Lord has for you? Um, and who in your life do you need to meet with and learn from? And equally significantly, and we didn't even get to this, but are you discipling other people? Because that might be the thing that is causing some staleness in your spiritual life? How are you pouring out into other people? Um, how are you helping other people become more like Christ? Um, and so I want us to meditate on that um, as we pray, as we close, but also throughout this week. And just ask the Lord in your quiet time, um, whatever that looks like, what, what goals do I want to set in this season? And how can I work towards that with you, with other people? Um, any thoughts or questions on discipleship before we... Yeah, Scott. 
Yeah. So that so you are scratching the surface of what is a centuries long um, conversation is <laughs> the nicest way to put that, right? Um, and so we don't have enough time to dig into all of those things, but no, the church doesn't have, this is what we believe. We've tried to avoid having a statement for everything as a church because we want to be a place where people of diverse um, faith traditions can come and experience the Lord. Um, I think that is an example of something that is mysterious and intentionally mysterious that humans have tried to parse out on their own. And I think it is both. We very much go out and we, we reach out and we accept Jesus. And at the same time, mysteriously, he is reaching out to us and has grabbed us, right? And there is no way for us to put into words what that looks like. Um, and some of that you've heard it called Calvinism or, you know, there's, there's different words to describe that kind of theological debate. And it's okay if people are on different sides of that. Um, I'm not a Calvinist. That's cool. There's people on this church staff that are more Calvinistic than me. That's fine. It's mysterious, right? Um, it is untrue that nothing is required of us and we're just fully predestined and, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And it's not true that nothing is required of us. And it's also not true that the Lord doesn't have full sovereignty over his people. And that is only more confusing. And I realize that, but, um, that's a huge debate. And so there's a lot of mystery there that we need to be okay with, but yeah, that's a short answer to a textbook length question, but I appreciate you asking that. Any other questions or thoughts or anything like that? Before we go. I know it's getting late, but um, so let's go ahead and what I want us to do is pray for each other around tables.